0: Welcome to Atari Bites, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 108. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. I have trudged through the massive snowdrifts and beaten back the exhaustion from having to shovel my driveway again for like the third day in a row as Snowmageddon. ...beats down upon the Midwest. Okay, I may be exaggerating a bit, but we have gotten quite a bit of snow... um, ...compared to the rest of the winter uh, in the last few days. And I'm kind of over it, but I don't think, for us anyway... ...there's much more snow in the forecast for the foreseeable future. So life is good. I think, though, that with all the shoveling I've done... um, By the way, thanks to uh, the gentleman, the older gentleman who lives across the street from me... ...who most assuredly is not listening to this podcast for going out with a snowblower this morning and, and shoveling, like, almost literally everybody's sidewalk, and then, I guess, seeing me out there shoveling, just continuing right on up and, and doing, like, half of my driveway. I suspect he just liked using a snowblower, because he seemed to be having a pretty good time. But whatever the reason, uh, thank you, the gentleman who, like I said, is not listening to this podcast. That was very cool. So, for those of you who say that uh, neighborly kindness is dead... Well, I've seen a little example of it today, so that's very cool. Right here at the top of the show, I want to give a shout-out, speaking of uh, neighborly kindliness, uh, at least in the internet realm, uh, I want to give a shout-out to Greg Miller and to Ferg for uh, stepping up and very politely pointing out that I'm a doofus. If you remember in the Commando Raid episode, I got all set to play. I was primed, got everything going, and my gun wouldn't fire. Which happens to Everybody. I, uh, you know, I started the game, the game started up fine, I could move the gun in the game, but I couldn't, uh, there were no parachute guys, there were no helicopters, My, you know, I, I, there's nothing to shoot at, and I thought, huh, this is weird, but uh, I powered through and I did the episode anyway, but I was still kind of bummed, because I had this cartridge I couldn't use, and a game that looks really cool, and I couldn't play it. Uh, so both Greg and Ferg were nice enough to reach out to me uh, via the Facebook page, and one of them might have been on Twitter, I'm not sure, it doesn't matter. But they said, "Well, you got to move the joystick like this a little bit, and you know, and fire the button and stuff." And uh, I, I think it was uh, I think the magic combo was like to push the joystick up and fire, or maybe just push the joystick up. I'm not sure exactly what I did. And I don't well here. Why don't I just look and see what they told me to do? Because that's what I did. Greg actually said, "Hit reset on the console, push the joystick in the up direction, and start firing." Uh, yeah, and that's what I did, and it worked. So again, uh, I played the game a little bit this morning. I enjoyed it so much, I would almost rather be doing Commando Raid for this episode than the game we're actually doing, because it's very cool. Um, it has a very, I said this in the other podcast too, on the other episode too, just from watching the game on YouTube, it has a very uh, Missile Command feel to it, which is perfectly alright with me, because I really like Missile Command. It's a really cool game, and I had a good time playing it, and I was, for me, reasonably good at it, you know, right out the gate, so... Uh, it's definitely a game I will come back to frequently in the little bit of free time I actually have to play games that are not for the podcast. So, uh, again, thanks, guys. You know, more of that that neighborliness, which may not actually be a word. I don't know. Um, Whatever it is, uh, I like to see it. You know, people helping people just to be nice. All right. What else is going on? Oh, speaking of neighborliness and being nice, let's uh, make fun of Mad Mike Hughes again. As you recall, Mad Mike Hughes is the gentleman, limo driver out in California, hobbyist, uh, rocket-building hobbyist. He has built a rocket, made a launch pad out of a converted mobile home. Way back, he's been trying to launch a rocket into the upper atmosphere. You know, shh! He he supposedly is going into space, uh, but doesn't want anyone. It's kind of an open secret. Uh, Anyway, his intent, uh, because he's gotten funding from a lot of flat Earth groups, Uh, His intent is to take photos of the Earth, I guess, and prove once and for all that the damn scientists and media have been lying to us and the Earth is actually flat. It's not round. Why anyone cares about this, for one thing, I don't know. So what, I guess, other than our entire outlook on the shape of the planet is wrong. I don't know what it really does to our day-to-day lives, other than... You know, if you walk too far, I guess you can get eaten by a dragon or something. To be fair, Mad Mike hasn't claimed that there are dragons. Uh, However, if you look at any, you know, old map from the Middle Ages uh, or thereabouts, any time they show a map depicting a flat earth, which is how they, you know, they didn't know any different. That's how they pictured the earth. There's always dragons hanging out at the edges. So I guess that would be a problem. So Mad Mike has had this plan. He's got some funding. He was all set February 3rd finally to launch. It was going to be broadcast on, I guess, an internet network? Somewhere in Nevada. But then he had some technical problems. Some uh, sort of valve was leaking on his steam-powered rocket. And by the way, I am literally not a rocket scientist. And you know what? So is Mad Mike, not a rocket scientist. Boy, I tortured that sentence. Uh, I, I'm not sure that steam-powered rocket is the way to go, but, I don't know, maybe Elon Musk, now that he's launched his Falcon Heavy rocket flawlessly by our reports. Maybe he can uh, consult with Mad Mike. So, oh, to finish my thought. I'm not sure steam-powered is the way to go. Uh, I'm just saying. So, February 3rd, uh, day before the Super Bowl, he was all set to launch. There were some rumors that maybe he would try to launch again. You know, Super Bowl day, but that didn't happen. When I looked last week, as I was recording the podcast, Mad Mike's Facebook page was pretty quiet. He hadn't posted anything since several days before the launch was supposed to happen. I am trying to pull it up now to see what, uh, if he's done anything lately. Oh, okay. So he posted, on February 6th, the new actuator, which is the part that stopped the launch, will be complete this week. Yay! Wait, hold on. I was listening to Pie Factor recently, and they were playing around with their new soundboard. And um, because I know when to steal a good idea when I hear one, uh, I got myself a soundboard, too. So I'm getting ready to hit you with an awesome sound effect. Uh, So, you know... Hold on to something. So, Mad Mike got his new actuator. Here, how about this? Yes! Or... Girl. No, that's even worse. Ooh. Sorry, hit the wrong button there. You know what, Mad Mike? Let's just go with the classic. Alright, so he got his new actuator. and He says, uh, the new date will be kept a secret until a few hours before the launch. Alright. Oh, hey, breaking news here. Also, this picture, I don't know what picture he's talking about, is the beginning paperwork to run for governor in the once great state of California. Apparently he went to court uh, on February 6th because he says, interesting day in court today with my common law claim against the governor and all the executives of the, all caps here, Franchise Tax Board. I freaked out all of the, all caps, bar attorneys with my choice of words, and denying the Deputy Attorney General to speak. He had a good reaction to this one. 480 comments. A number of them pointing out that Elon Musk just flawlessly launched a rocket, showing clearly that the Earth is flat. Or, excuse me, showing clearly that the Earth is a globe. Many people kind of jumped on that comment and said, yeah, basically, Mike, you're committing suicide. Mad Mike jumped in at one point and said, you might want to research all of my accomplishments, and they are many. Go mind your own business. Keep your comments to yourself. Alright, so this is all going swimmingly. So yeah, uh, we had Elon Musk this past week as I record this. Pretty soon we may have headlines about, you know, the late, great Mad Mike Hughes. I hope not. I wish him well. I really don't think he's going to prove that the Earth is flat. But you know what? You go, Mike. Because at least you're doing something science in a culture that seems to crap all over science. So, you know, I give you points for that. Running for governor... Uh, You know, good luck with that. So, anyway, that is this week's Mad Mike Hughes update. I guess we won't know uh, when he launches until he launches, uh, pretty much. So, you know, keep your eye on the skies for that uh, excitement. All right. In other news, I have no other news. So let's move on to this week's game. This week's game is... Bowling. A classic from Atari 1978. You guys know how to bowl, right? So I don't need to spend a whole lot of time explaining to you how to bowl. In the bowling Atari game, your objective, duh, is to roll as high a score as possible. Whether you're playing one-player or two-player game, there are ten pins to knock down. You have two tries or rolls to knock down the pins each time you're up. Each game consists of ten frames or turns. If you succeed in knocking down all the pins on your first roll, it's called a strike. A strike is marked with an X. If you leave pins standing but pick them up on your second try, it's called a spare. Spares are marked with a uh, like a slash mark. On the screen. An open frame occurs when you fail to knock down all ten pins in two rolls. Open frames are indicated with a straight horizontal line on the screen. The ultimate goal is to roll 12 consecutive strikes for a perfect score of 300, which I've never achieved in real life, or on the Atari, for that matter. Um, I've done... I was going to say I've come close. I don't know that I've come close. But I've gotten the upper, I guess, pushing 200 on occasion... I bowled for a fair amount when I was a kid. It's a good kid thing to do. When I was in my 20s and single and lived in a small town, uh, some of my other single friends and I would go bowling occasionally because, frankly, there wasn't a whole lot else to do. And it's an excuse to drink beer while actually being active. So uh, this, of course, bowling, we're, we're, we're bowling this week, of course, because uh, this is part of our salute to the Winter Olympics. that are going on right now as I record this. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. For the game, we're using the joystick controller. Move your joystick forward, away from you, and back toward you to position the bowler. Press the red button to release the ball. Before pressing the red button to release the ball, the joystick controls the positioning of the bowler. After pressing the red button, the joystick controls the direction of the ball as it moves down the alley. When the difficulty switch is in the position A, computer makes it more difficult for you to roll strikes and spares. Use the left difficulty switch in the B position. For the beginning player, it's easier to obtain high scores if you're in the B position. In games 1 and 2, the ball stays in a steady curve pattern once the joystick is moved in either direction. The ball does not come out of this pattern until the roll is completed. You can push the joystick forward to curve the ball up toward the top of the screen, pull the joystick back to curve the ball down toward the bottom of the screen. In games 3 and 4, you can steer the ball up and or down while it is moving down the alley. If the joystick is returned to neutral, the ball straightens out. In games 5 and 6, these are straight ball games. In these games, the direction of the ball cannot be altered after it is released. Positioning the bowler is the most important move. Games 1, 3, and 5 are one-player games. 2, 4, and 6 are two-player games. Scoring, I won't really talk much about that. If you've bowled at all, you know how how scoring works. I will point out, you get a tenth frame bonus if you've you've, uh, forgotten that. If you spare in the tenth frame, you are allowed one more roll. The number of pins you picked up plus ten is then added to your total score. If you strike in the tenth frame, the pins you picked up for the next two rolls are added to your total score. And that's it. Uh, bowling pretty simple. The game is pretty simple. And there you go. Bowling was designed by programmer Larry Kaplan, based obviously on the actual real-life game of bowling. Video Magazine reviewed the game in its Arcade Alley column and praised it as an enjoyable version of a sport that is perfectly suited to the video arcade format. The reviewers singled out the graphics, including the automatic frame-by-frame scoring and deft character animation as one of the game's best points. The Atari Times uh, in 2006 wrote that for a game that rolled off the assembly line in 78, bowling for the Atari 2600 has held up surprisingly well. Sure, there have been better games released about the nation's laziest sport, but this 2600 title is still fun to play from time to time. The graphics are crude, as can be, and two of the six variations are pretty rotten, specifically games 5 and 6, where one or two players get the thrill of throwing a ball that doesn't curve one bit, yawn, yawn, yawn. Uh, You get a side view of the alley and the pins are represented by ugly black squares, and the ball is kind of almost a round thing. While the ball is kind of an almost round thing. The graphics aren't what one would call great, but they do their job. The bowler is rendered well enough and even does a dandy dance when he rolls a strike. The control is solid enough. You can position your player prior to releasing the ball and indicate a curve or steer the ball easily enough. Scoring is handled well too. While bowling is very simple, it can be fairly addictive and great for those times when you want to play a couple of quick games that aren't, but aren't in the mood for the typical arcade or action title. It's not necessary to have the instruction manual to pick up the game and play it. Gamefacts.gamespot.com called the game an exciting and challenging way to bowl right in your own home. The A to Z of Atari Games Volume 1 uh, gave uh, the game 5 out of 10 stars, pointing out that the best way to play the game is, as with most sports titles, compete against a friend. It has nice little features, I uh, like the way your bowler dances when he hits a strike. Looks surprisingly good for an early title, with a sprite that actually looks like a man rather than a bunch of big blocks. They're early trademarks of what Activision came to be remembered for on the 2600. Bowling is pretty average in the sound department, lots of noises, but you can't help feeling they would be more at home in a space game. Uh, this reviewer can see the merits of the game, but it won't hold your attention for very long. As the only game of its type on the vintage VCS, and from a historical standpoint, certainly, it is worth adding to your collection. Just don't expect to be blown away. Fair enough. All right. Now, we have included this game in our salute to the Winter Olympics. And I wonder why we did that. Actually, I don't wonder why. I know why we did that. We're including it because bowling was on track to be included in the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. Now, to be clear... People have been lobbying for years to have the world recognize that bowling is a legit sport and one that should be included in the Olympics, although probably the Summer Olympics. There are a lot of articles on the internet about how World Bowling, the World Bowling Committee, or whatever they're called, was all excited because it was on. Uh, it was going to bowling was going to get on the short list uh, for the Olympic Committee for 2020 to be added to the roster. But then I see there was a post in 2015 saying, "Yeah, it's not going to make the short list." So. Yep. all you uh, Saturday night bowlers out there, don't uh, don't start you know renewing your passport to go to Tokyo in 2020 because it's not gonna happen. Sorry. Well, I mean you can still go if you want, but you're not gonna get to bowl there. In 1988, in the Summer Olympics, bowling was a demonstration program uh, on September 18, 1988. A total of 20 nations competed in the men's and women's tournaments. Uh, although no bowling professionals completed, uh, competed in the demonstration event. The bowling industry has lobbied long and hard for bowling to be recognized as a worthy demonstration sport for future games. So far, have not been successful. A total of 24 10-pin bowling bowlers, 12 male and 12 female, from 21 nations, competed in the exhibition. But, I mean, that's all it was. It was just an exhibition. And it was, you know, 30 years ago now. So there you go. I thought, once upon a time, like way back, I thought bowling actually had been an Olympic sport. And then they did away with it. But I can't, as I'm looking right now, I can't find anything that says that. If anyone knows any uh, more Olympic history than I do, and can tell me definitively if I'm right or wrong about that, let me know. All right. Well, after the break, I've got my beer in a can. I've got my bowling ball, my 16-pound bowling ball with the uh, head of my greatest enemy uh, encased inside. In the other hand... And I've got my bowl of nachos. Don't ask where I put those. Alright, we're here in the uh, bowling alley. We've got our drinks. We've got our uncomfortable shoes on. I have managed to arrange for pro bowler H-man to join us. I really (laughs) Bowl. I'm a pro bowler. Well, you could be a pro bowler because you're pretty good at this game. So, we're on frame one. Hi, it will! You shouldn't have moved it. You should have let it keep going straight. We're playing game one where you can curve the ball a little bit. You've bowled for real, right? I'll come? Because you're not in... not in... Yeah. That's the problem. are playing game one where you can curve the ball a little bit. I think it's weird that you can curve the ball after. At see you know, being able to turn your arm and curve the ball a little bit. But I guess maybe that's a little too advanced for 1978 programming. Oh! You almost picked up the spare that time. Good. Oh, got a split. How's the game look, Um, uh, Not like only. No? I think the guy's pretty realistic. All right, the baller. No. Uh, oh, he got a strike. He did his little happy strike dance. That was pretty cool. Another split. That happens. We're on, uh... The 6th frame, I guess. Almost. Oh. 7.10. 7 out of 10, I should say. Not a seven. Ten Oop, that looks pretty good. Oh. Thought you were going to get the spare that time. I really like the ball return, for some reason, it's a little thing, but it's kind of cool how you you can see the ball roll back to you. Oh, it amuses me. Alright, another split. See if you can pick up the spare. This would be tricky. One more frame. This is it, man. I would go for the, the collection of more pins. Nope. Not, not too bad. We've only played this a couple of times. Uh, so what do we think? Do we like this game? Mm. Me? It's not one that you necessarily play a lot? No. No? Alright. Well, thanks for your help. Okay. Uh, back to the Pro Bowling League. And your pizza, which is also a good bowling thing. Alright, back to you in the studio. An alley right there You wind up the ball You've got a little bowling chair to wear yeah. Strolling, bowling, bowling, strollin' bowling, strolling, bowling, strollin' yeah. bowling It's a little bowling ball that walks right down the lane It's funny, it's strange This little bowling game <laughs> Strolling, bowling is a little portable bowling alley from Tommy So here's the thing about bowling I really like this game for what it is. It's pretty simple, but I mean, it's bowling. It's not that complicated to begin with. Yeah, the graphics are simple, but you know, keep in mind, this was a 78 game. The sprite, like the one reviewer said, the sprite does look pretty good. He's a bowler. You can tell he's a bowler. It's a little weird uh, that you can move the ball after it leaves your hand. I don't like that. That's why I played the the one where it's a perfectly straight ball, which is not realistic either, of course. Um, you have alleys with different slickness and whatnot, But the idea that you can move the ball after it leaves your hand, which every bowler would love to do, that's why they do those weird little dances as the ball is going down the lane, doesn't sit real well with me either. That's some sort of Jedi, Doctor Strange stuff. But, you know, if you just want to pick up uh, a game and play it for a couple minutes, it is fun and it is weirdly addictive, for as simple as it is. So, you know, it does its job. It makes you want to play. Alright, for this week's story, uh, we're doing something a little different. Being totally honest here, I didn't write a story this week. Um, because when I realized bowling was on the schedule, that reminded me that I've actually already written a bowling story a long, long, long time ago, actually. Got to be, oh, I don't know, 15, 16 years, probably. I wrote a play, actually, a bowling play called Bowler's Remorse. Now, a little background here. Back in my younger days, I did a tiny little bit of stage acting. Um like local community theater stuff and also with a you know a legit small local but still professional theater company uh they did all sorts of kinds of plays one of the things they did that I was never actually in but they did this was back in the day when these interactive the, uh, uh murder mystery events were a big deal uh, I never participated in one but that was one of the things that the some of the people in the theater company did so I got to you know hear about that and I, and I thought I wonder if I could write one of those because I'm also a writer. So I did, and I wrote one called Bowler's Remorse. They were going to do the play. They all, they, you know, the, the owners of this theater company were really excited about it. They liked it. They're all set to workshop it. And then basically, they had some bad experiences with some of the uh, some of the other mystery events that they were doing, and it kind of turned them off doing the the uh, those kind of plays altogether. So uh, so nothing really came of my play. Uh, It just went into a drawer, basically, and it's sat there ever since. But I thought of it when I thought of the bowling story for this week, so I thought what I would do is I'm going to basically present you this play, the world premiere, if you like, uh, of Bowler's Remorse. I will edit it a little bit as I go, because obviously this is not uh, a live stage show, this is not uh, an interactive murder mystery, so we'll see how this goes. If you're bored, uh, go listen to one of my other episodes. But, you know, I hope you kind of like it. So, the setup for this play, you know, bowling is fine, but the best part of bowling is, like, the food and drink, right? Uh, That's why you bowl, really. This play takes place at, like, uh, a banquet or uh, an event of some sort, a party of some sort, and this bowling team is driving past on their way to a bowling tournament, and their van breaks down. So they have crashed this party. Conway McMasters enters the room. Now this is a party. Ooh, That was a wolf howl, if you didn't know. Pinhead, that's his nickname, is following right behind. Shakes his head, he gestures an apology to the crowd. Conway, please don't make trouble. Make trouble? I am trouble. Conway removes a towel from his bowling bag, dabs at his face and neck, and then hands the towel to the lovely lady of his choice, with a wink and a smile. He removes another towel from the bag and puts it around his neck. He likes the ladies and starts making acquaintances right away. Pinhead. Yeah, trouble like a 7-10 split. Monroe and Vicky enter. Monroe and Vicky are an older couple. Vicky's a sourpuss. Monroe's an even bigger sourpuss. Vicky. This place stinks like cauliflower. I hate cauliflower. Monroe grunts. He spots someone in the crowd that looks like famous, deceased, professional bowler Earl Anthony, who's a real guy, by the way. He runs over and sings the praises of his hero. Vicky cackles loudly. Earl Anthony wasn't half the bowler Dick Weber was. Also a real person. And boy, could that man dance. In bowling shoes, even. Monroe is offended at the idea of Vicky stepping out, literally, with Dick Weber. Lola enters. Lola is Conway's ex-wife. Man, what a dump. She's a former exotic dancer and kind of struts around the room. How long are we going to be here? Pinhead says. I'm sure Bernadette can fix the van in no time. She's a whiz. Pinhead bowls an imaginary ball and hits an imaginary strike, complete with fist pump. Yes, Pinhead's a nerd. Vicky says, well, she better. We still have to get to some town other than the town where this event is being held. Use your imaginations. We have to register, announce our lineup, get lane assignments. If we don't get there, we'll lose our shot at the $100,000. Conaway chuckles. The substitute is trying to play team captain. Vicky's had enough of this. That's enough out of you. I may be the substitute player here, but this is a five-player team league. ABC, American Bowling Congress Rule 105A, clearly states that a substitutes count as part of the legal lineup. Furthermore, Pinhead interrupts. People, please, I'm the captain. Besides, we're not alone. The bowling team turns slowly toward the audience, apparently just now realizing that there are other people in the room and that they are watching this little show. There's a pause. Then Pinhead says, I'm sure ben- Bernadette knows exactly what she's doing. He bowls another imaginary strike. Bernadette enters. I have no idea what I'm doing. She removes a bowling pin from her purse and holds it up. This was wedged in the tailpipe. That can't be right, can it? Everyone kind of shrugs. It blew out the whole exhaust system and fuel injection. We're not going anywhere. It's all my fault. She starts to cry. Conway takes Bernadette's hand. That's okay, darling. You did your best. He pats her head. Then he hands her his bowling bag. Bernadette is clearly flattered by Conway's attention. I knew you'd understand. You're always so... She's interrupted when Conway's attention is diverted by another beauty. Lola hands Bernadette her bowling bag. So we're stuck here? Pinhead says. Gutterball, man. He also hands Bernadette his bowling bag. And then bowls an imaginary gutterball. Fitchy says, but we can't be. If we don't get there, they'll give our slot to another team. From some other nearby comical city. Or something. She hands Bernadette, yes... Her bowling bag. Monroe says, save us, Earl Anthony. And then hands Bernadette his bowling bag. So now, again, this was supposed to be an interactive murder mystery. So teams kind of resign to their fate. They mingle with the crowd for a while. Conway's constantly fishing towels out of his bag, occasionally giving them out to people in the crowd. At some point, each of the bowling team members makes a big show for the audience, not for Conway, of getting something out of their bowling bag. Maybe Lola needs a makeup tissue. Bernadette is sagging under the weight of all the bowling bags and goes to dump them somewhere and get another towel for Conway. Vicky's looking for dirt to blackmail Conway so that she can get herself back on the bowling circuit. Monroe finds the plan to an invention called the ball grab and lift and stuffs them under his shirt. Pinhead ends up holding the bag, literally, while Conway goes off to the little bowler's room. Conway boasts to anyone who will listen about getting a patent on the ball grab and lift which is a device that picks up a bowler's ball from the ball return and hands it to him so that he doesn't have to bend over. This makes Monroe furious. Monroe goes around describing the device and making sure people know that he really invented it. He also slips in some Earl Anthony trivia wherever he can, occasionally throwing out a praise Earl Anthony whenever the audience member he previously spotted walks by. This might be a good time to give you a little information about Earl Anthony, uh, who is a famous bowler, which makes it relevant to this episode. Earl Anthony was born in, on April 27, 1938. He died April, or excuse me, August 14, 2001. His nickname was Square Earl because of the crew cut and glasses. He always wanted to be a left-handed major league pitcher, but an ankle injury ruined his chances. He joined the tour in 63. He didn't win any money and dropped out. He went back in 70 and became the best bowler on the tour. He was PBA bowler of the year 6 times. He led the Pro Bowlers Association tour in scoring from 73 to 75. He came back uh, in 80 and 83 and uh, led the Pro Bowlers Association in scoring those years, joined the PBA Senior Tour in 88, won four tournaments and seven titles, and retired permanently in 91. He became the first bowler to win more than $100,000 in a season, that being 1975. He was also the first to earn a million dollars in his career. He had his own card in the PBA card collection. Dick Weber, who we mentioned earlier, called him the greatest speed control bowler ever to play the game. He also owned Earl Anthony's Dublin Bowl in Dublin, California and Earl Anthony's New City Bowl in batting cages in California as well. Here's a quote from the man himself. You need standards and guidelines to play any sport with honor. He also said, definitely competition is good. As Americans, we are weaned on competition. Democracy is based on competition. So there you go. Vicky is constantly griping to Monroe, that Conway uh, is a jerk, Uh, She's reliving her glory days in the professional circuit, especially the wild nights at the tournaments like the one in Vegas when Vicky and some of her other wacky bowlers streaked naked through the bowling alley just as the ABC network was getting ready to go to commercial. Pinhead is a friendly sort. He walks around chatting people up. He apologizes profusely for crashing the party. He uses a lot of bowling lingo. Strike, spare, gutter ball, split, lane, hook, left, loft. Pin action, turkey, which is, is getting three successive strikes. Foul, part of a player's body crosses the foul line. Legal pinfall how the pins have to fall to be counted, and bowls a lot of imaginary strikes. He also keeps an eye on Conway and occasionally catches himself imitating his mannerisms, much to his horror. Conway does a lot of Elvis impersonations, that is, he constantly wipes his face with a towel from his bag and hands it out to people, uses a lot of bad pickup lines, and embarrasses everyone else, basically. Lola shakes her moneymaker around the room, doesn't want to be here at all, and makes that very clear. She takes full advantage of the snacks and drinks, Getting progressively drunker, which leads her to badmouth her ex-husband, Conway, frequently to his face. Bernadette tries to stay close to Conway, which isn't easy since he's always on the move. She admires him from afar and gets visibly jealous whenever he talks to anyone else. So at dinner, Bernadette is seated. Her purse is at her feet. She adjusts and readjusts the position of the chair next to her and makes sure the place setting is correct. Water in the glass, fork in the right place, etc. She looks around expectantly for Conway and is visibly frustrated when each of the other team members show up instead. Pinhead approaches in, in his best Conway-type swagger, but sees that Bernadette's reflexively clutching the seat next to her, so he moves a couple chairs down, and then says, Hey, Bernadette, how's your strike-spare ratio? He throws an imaginary strike. Huh? What? Bernadette says. I mean, how are you? Bernadette ignores him. Where's Conway? Pinhead mutters, Oh, him again. Bernadette says, You sort of look like him. For the moment, she's focused on Pinhead. Pinhead is incensed. I do not. But now he's looking for Conway, too. Lola, drink in hand, steps up to Pinhead. Consider yourself lucky. She pinches his cheek and sits. She's right, though. Don't take this personal, but you two could be twins. Pinhead shudders. Are they going to feed us or what? Lola says. Pinhead says, yes, they're letting us stay for dinner. Lola says, I hope it's a good spread. Vicky sits down next to Bernadette. The van's still not fixed? I told you the whole thing. But Bernadette's at a loss for words. She pulls the bowling pin from her purse and holds it up, gesturing at it, as if that answers Vicky's question. Monroe says, Save us, Earl Anthony. The others look at him, pause, and then go on. Lola approaches the table. Anyway, let's eat. Where's that low-down, gutter-dwelling, split-missing, ball-hooking, skirt-chasing, pin-jockey of an ex-husband of mine? Conway, on cue, says, You called, my sweet? Lola says, I didn't even like it when you did that when we were married. Because he just kissed her. She finishes off her drink. Conway says, I don't remember hearing any complaints. He sits down his ever-present bowling bag next to him. Too busy catering to my every need, I guess. The rest of the group senses an ugly fight brewing, but quickly disperses. Lola stands her ground, wobbly as it is. Lola says, You son of a... Conway, oh good, more trash talk from a trash woman. Why on earth did I ever marry you? I've often wondered how I got so cursed too, Conway says. I guess you have a lot of time to think about it though, now that you're not working at the club anymore. Lola's enraged. It's your fault I'm not working there, you got me fired. Conway, trying to look innocent... All I did was suggest to management that someone with a little less mileage on her might bring in more customers. You don't quite have the same bounce you used to, do you? Now your bump and grind is pretty well ground down to nothing, eh? Lola slaps him. I should have killed you years ago when I caught you with that bimbo like all the other rats lurking backstage. Conway takes a towel from his bag and dabs at his face, checking for blood. You ain't got what it takes. Though you were good at spreading that rat poison around the club. Hey, maybe there's a new career in pest control for you. Lola glares, starts to speak, and then thinks better of it. I need a drink. Then, noticing she still has one, throws it in Conway's face and pushes her way past him toward the bar. Conway shrugs and moves on, wiping his face. Throughout the dinner portion, the various members of the bowling team have confrontations. Um, Sometimes at the table, sometimes at the bar, sometimes uh, bothering or chatting with audience members. Uh, And in between these confrontations, Pinhead insists on knowing whether audience members think he looks like Conway and will not take yes answers well. Group members continue to commiserate about that bastard Conway, circulate among the audience, get progressively drunker. They are bowlers after all. Monroe demonstrates the unique grabbing and lifting action of the ball grab and lift to some audience members. Your standard 16 pound ball can get a put a lot of strain on your back, especially by the third game in the series. But this thing I came up with, Conway objects, you came up with? Damn right I came up with it. It was all my idea. Really? Conway sneers. By Earl Anthony, I did. Now that I've got my plans back, I can prove it. He pulls the drawing he took out of Conway's bag earlier from under his shirt. Where did you get those? From your bag, lover boy. Maybe if you paid a little more attention to something other than yourself, you'd know what was going on. You stole this from me. Now I have the plans and everyone will know that I traded the ball, lift, and grab. That's how it should be. It's like Earl Anthony said. You need standards and guidelines to play any sport with honor. Well, you ain't got much honor from where I'm sitting, buddy. Conway chuckles. You old fool. You really think a bunch of crayon drawings entails you to anything? Monroe looks at the drawings. Well, they're my grandkids' crayons. It's all I had. The macaroni and cheese yellow is kind of nice. Anyway, that's not the point. Oh, but in a way it is, Conway says. You see, those drawings are useless now. Keep them if you want. The world will still credit me with the ball grab and lift. I'll be the king of ball lifting. I mean, ball lifting technology. What do you mean? Monroe says. A couple weeks ago, I filed a patent application for my little invention. And sadly, there just wasn't room on there for your name. That line on the form was just too tiny. So now, as far as the world is concerned, the ball lift and grab is a Conway McMaster's creation. I'm so very sorry. Monroe is stunned. But I did all the work. I tested all the prototypes. I, I, I bought the materials. I stayed up all night trying it out. Spent all that money. The grandkids cried for days when I used up all the crayons. Conway says, don't forget, it was the industrial strength lubricant my company supplied that gives the ball grab and lift its unique pivoting action. That's Ace Ball Cleaning Supplies and Accessories, for the cleanest balls in the league. Monroe says, that stuff is toxic, it could kill ten horses, kind of like your cologne. Conway says, well hey, you had fun though, didn't you? He pats Monroe on the back, thanks old timer. Monroe shouts, you bastard, by all that is right and good with Earl Anthony, I will get you for this. Conway doesn't look back. He just waves the tally he's just taken out of his bowling bag. Monroe sits down, head in his hands, sobbing. Earl, Earl, Earl. Next, Conway is putting the moves on someone when Vichy comes up behind him and slaps the back of his head. The hell'd you do to my husband, you slimy skunk? Nice to see you as always, Vichy. I asked you a question. I'm sorry, I don't take questions from non team members. Vichy grabs his shoulder. Listen, substitutes are part of the team. ABC rule clearly states... Oh, you're a fine one to talk about rules, aren't you, Vicky? What are you talking about? You were a pretty good professional bowler, weren't you? I was one of the best. But then it all ended. How sad. How did it happen again? Vicky uh, is cagey. You know what happened. Oh yes, I remember. You pretended to be someone else in a bowling tournament. I was not. I was just filling in because my teammate was sick. Too much Sandria at the pre-tournament party. It was just a couple of frames. No one would have known the difference if if someone hadn't ratted you out. Yes, well, it is against the rules, isn't it? I know. ABC Rule 16A says no person shall bowl under an assumed name or under the name of another person scheduled to bowl in a Women's International Bowling Congress, American Bowling Congress League or Tournament. But, Conway interrupts, yeah, so how'd you get caught? An anonymous tip. I don't know who. The league suspended me, but my career was over. None of this has anything to do with my husband. Conway grins. Monroe said something about, uh, about, uh, what are you grinning at? Ever wonder who the anonymous tipster was? Vicky instantly realizes what happened. You? You did this to me? Surprise! Small world, huh? But, but why? Well, there was this pretty young thing I was seeing at the time. Candy, Sandy, Mandy, whatever. Anyway, she was trying to make a name for herself in the women's tour. You were a big competition, so... I got a lot of pin action that night, let me tell you. "'You... you rotten S.O.B.' "'She picks up a glass of water from the table and throws it in Conway's face. "'Conway dabs his face with a towel he just took out of his bag. "'Believe it or not, you're not the first person to call me that. "'He wanders off to check out the, uh, the meal. "'Vicky wanders off, too, in a daze, nearly knocking Pinhead over as he looks on, furious. "'He doesn't even notice Vicky's hand slip into his pocket, remove an object, and put it in her own pocket. "'Later, Conway's at the table, enjoying a moment with his favorite person, himself.' When Bernadette, eager to seize the chance to talk with him, approaches. Conway reaches for the bowling bag. Bernadette steps in and grabs it for him, even going so far as to fish out a towel. How did you know that's what I wanted? Bernadette's embarrassed. It was just a feeling. We've spent a lot of time together, haven't we, honey? Oh, yes. Conway said, it's been a special time, hasn't it? Oh, yes, you've been so... I know, I've been in the zone, nailing every strike. It's a shame my fans won't get to see me. Oh, right, the tournament, Bernadette says. You know, it's too bad you're not a bowler, Conway says. I could show you a real good time. Bernadette doesn't totally get what's going on. She says, well, actually, I am pretty good. I thought maybe I could be a substitute or something. Conway chuckles. Maybe you could. A little hard work. Really? You think so? Conway, absolutely, he says, checking her out. You know, I've been thinking. Have you? Yeah, the league is having a potluck dinner next week, so I thought maybe we could. That is, I wondered if you, I was thinking we might go together. I don't think so, Conway says. But why? You're just a kid. Thanks for asking, though. Bernadette is speechless. Listen, hand me my bag, will you? And put this back. I've got to save this for some lucky honey. He hands her the towel. Bernadette, in a daze, ducks under the table, pauses, and returns with the bowling bag, having placed the towel inside. She hands it to Conway. He takes it and heads out without saying a word. Bernadette bursts into tears, then throws a drink in her own face. Later, Pinhead is moving through the crowd, thinking about what Bernadette said about him looking like Conway. He spies Conway and watches him. When he catches himself imitating Conway, he freaks out. He turns to walk the other way, but Conway catches up with him. Conway says, Pinhead, my boy. Pinhead, startled. What do you mean by that? Just wondered how it's hanging, guy. Conway punches him in the stomach in a guy-buddy sort of way. Here, have a towel. In fact, have the whole bag. Put it under a table for me, would you? Why me? You're a nice guy. Gotta go to the little bowler's room. Pinhead mutters something under his breath, walks away with the bag. Pinhead goes over the table, ducks underneath, and fumbles with the bag under the table. To fill time for Conway's return, he chats with passing audience members about the team, about the party, etc. Conway comes back. Guess what? Three guys stopped me in the restroom to compliment me. Pinhead says, please spare me. What was that? Oh, nothing. Got something to say, son. Just say it. Pinhead's like, really, forget it. He pulls an imaginary strike. Conway laughs, just like Annie, always holding back. Don't you ever mention her name. Oh, so you do have some cojones about you. Could I interest you in my new invention, the ball lift and grab? Pinhead says, Annie Heffelfinder was the sweetest, most generous person in the world until, uh, until, Conway says, finishing the sentence, until she went nuts. Till you drove her crazy. She did anything you asked of her. All she wanted was to keep, your, keep you home. But you kept right on boozing and womanizing. You're you're a big gutter ball. Conway laughs at this. He reaches for the bowling bag as Pinhead fumes. Dabs his neck with a towel from the bag and wipes the tears of laughter from his eyes. For several seconds, he keeps doing this, take, taking a few moments to enjoy himself. Boy, that woman is weak. It's not my fault. Your mother couldn't corral old Conway. Pinhead is... Really, uh, losing it now. You destroyed her. At the end, all she could do was stare at the wall at the hospital, muttering, More lateral spin. Gotta pick up the spare. Over and over again. Conway rolls his eyes. Listen, kid. But then he starts breathing faster. His eyes bulging a little bit. He's gasping for breath. He stumbles a bit, trying to speak, but he's not able to. Pinhead's oblivious to all this. And another thing, Dad. Conway, struggling to focus. I'm I'm your father by blood only, so stop... But then he collapses into convulsions. These last few seconds, he's motionless. Bernadette screams. Lola Monroe, Bernadette, er, Lola Monroe, and Vicky run over. Lola kneels and takes Conway's wrist to check her pulse. Holy jeez, he's dead. She drops his wrist and steps back, repulsed. Pinball says, "Gutterball." He pulls an imaginary gutterball. There's a momentary, dramatic pause. Pinhead pulls a badge from his pocket and holds it up. Everyone, remain calm. This is the FBI. Special Agent Pinhead. uh, I mean, Stephen. Helpful finger. Nobody move. He pulls out a gun. Gestures to the body with the gun and with the other hand points to a couple audience members. You two come here and get the body out of here. Take him to the lobby. Monroe will hold the door for you. Nobody else move. Lola says, you might want to hold your noses. He reeks of sweat, bad cologne, and almond? Monroe says, may Earl Anthony save and protect us all. He orchestrates the audience members and carrying the body and leads them out. Pinnett says, Well, folks, it looks like we've got ourselves a sticky situation. Worse than a 7 split. I'm an FBI agent with the Weird Deaths Division, but I'll need all the help I can get to stay out of the gutter, line up our shot, and bowl a strike for justice. We're going to be busy interrogating everyone, and I mean everyone. We're in the ninth frame, down at least ten pins. We need to bowl a strike on this one. Pinnett says, All right, I want all my teammates to gather around the table. Everyone sits down. Bernadette sits in the chair with the bowling pin under it. "'Pinhead says, now, I'm a highly trained field agent, "'and because of my work in the Weird Deaths Division, "'I could tell right off that Conway was poisoned.' "'Everyone is stunned. "'Poisoned?' "'Yes,' Pinhead says. "'He holds a plastic bag containing the towel that killed Conway. "'There's an X in crayon on the towel, clearly visible. "'It was clearly cyanide. "'The convulsions clinched it for me. "'You, Lola, said yourself you could smell almonds. "'Bitter almonds, I suspect. "'The smell of cyanide. It's a classic poison.' "'Yeah. I also said I could smell a sweaty undershirt. "'So what?' Pinhead says, Your clever observation could be your undoing. What? Obviously the murderer is you. He pulls an imaginary strike. That's ridiculous, Lola says. Oh, really? Yeah, if I wanted to kill the SOB, I'd rip his stinking heart out. I wouldn't mess around with poison. Where would I get cyanide anyway? Pinhead stops in the middle of an imaginary strike. Oh, well, I guess I hadn't thought of that. Lola takes out a bottle of lotion from her purse, makes a big show of putting some on. Bernadette may be asked to borrow some. The bottle should be clearly visible. Vicky groans. Oh, brother. Pinhead wheels toward her. Impatient, are you? Got something to say? Or confess? You think I killed Conway? Well, you are a criminal. What? I've seen your rap sheet. A lot of petty theft charges from your younger days. You were quite the pit pocket, weren't you? I don't deny it, but long ago I atoned for my criminal ways and gave my life to bowling. Still, it's not like you've never committed a crime before. Maybe you decided to move up the ranks? A crime, not bowling. Sonny, I'm 70 years old, and I'm tired. I ain't got no time to be going to prison for no murders. Vicky moves away. Pinhead half-heartedly tries to stop her, then lets her go. He points instead at Monroe, who is praying to Earl Anthony, and starts to accuse him. Then he thinks better of it. So he turns to Bernadette. Sees her crying, and gives up. All right, I'm going to have to keep working on this, Pinhead says. And remember, everybody, I'm armed. After more futile interrogating, Pinhead finally says, All right, people, it's time to wrap this game up, and I'm looking for a perfect 300 series. I want to thank all of you for being good junior G-men and women, and helping me out. Ritchie gets impatient. Will you get to it already? Pinhead says, All right, the murderer is you. He bowls an imaginary strike. Vicky throws up her hands, pretending to surrender. Lola says, Here we go again. Monroe stares in Pinhead's direction, then leaps to his feet and rushes toward him. The ghost of Earl Anthony is among us. He's come to save us. Bernadette grabs the bowling pin from under her purse and whacks Monroe with it. Monroe goes down. Pinhead has, in the meantime, jumped up, gun drawn. Thanks, Bernadette. Bernadette gazes affectionately at Pinhead. Are you okay, Conway? Lowe's like, Conway? Bernadette says, I mean, Pinhead. You and he do look so much alike, except he's dead, of course. Pinhead's like, stop saying that. Ritchie's like, you know, you do look kind of alike. Pinhead finally has had it. All right, that's it. He fires a shot in the air. Focus, people. I mean, it's silly. I don't look like Conway. Conway Manners. Conway and Pinhead look alike, like father and son. He starts chuckling to himself. And sort of rocking back and forth. Lois, like, Are you okay? Pinhead says, "Yeah, been kind of stressed out about the bowling tournament. Got to get back to work. Investigate some other weird deaths." Lois, like, other weird deaths? You mean like pianos falling out of windows, goose attacks, that sort of thing? Yeah, anyway, back to this murder. As I was saying, and poisoning too, Pinhead? Pinhead's like, sure. Like, like with cyanide? Pinhead said, yeah. Vichy realizes what Lola's getting at. Hey, do you mean... Berndette finally says, you killed Conway. Pointing to Pinhead. Pinhead says, you got a strike. I did it. I killed him. I murdered dear old dad. He bowls an imaginary strike. Bernadette's like, But how? Why? Pinnett says, I told you, I work in the weird desk division, didn't I? I just borrowed a little cyanide, sprinkled it on one of the precious towels when he wasn't looking and waited for dear old Pops to go poof. Lola says, That's pretty cold, kid. Pinnett says, He was a monster. He dumped you and got fired. Got you fired. He shattered poor Monroe's dreams. He ruined Vicky's career. And Bernadette, he broke your poor heart. My mom was devastated by that snake. So I disabled the van so we'd have to stop where there wouldn't be as many witnesses as there would be at the tournament. I didn't expect to join a dinner party, but oh well. I just waited till one was, no one was looking. I sprinkled the little sign on in Conway's towel and waited until he chose the right one. ta No more scumbag. He totally deserved it. He bowls an imaginary strike and he points the gun at the others. Well, I don't want to be here when the police arrive, do I? Bernadette nods in vigorous agreement. Lola lunges for the gun. Bernadette whacks her with the bowling pin and she goes down. Hey, thanks, Pinhead says. Bernadette's like, sure, honey. Pinhead's like, honey? Well, Conway's gone, Bernadette says, but you do look so much like him. That's good enough for me. Pinhead hesitates, hesitates, then shrugs. He takes her hand and they head for the door. Okay, with my FBI connections, we'll be bowling on the Riviera by this time tomorrow. Vicky seizes Conway's bowling bag, takes the bowling ball out, and lines up her shot. She bowls a perfect strike and sends Pinhead and Bernadette flying. Pinhead drops the gun as he falls. Vicky grabs the gun. Gutter ball. Vicky says, Well that was what you call bowling a turkey. Three strikes in a row. My dear Monroe, followed by that tramp Lola, and now Pinhead and Bernadette. Game over. Let's head for the bowling lounge. The end. Alright. So that was my little on the fly experiment, converting a play to an audio story. Hope you liked it. <laughs> and that's our show thanks to kevin mcleod and comp for creative commons use of his songs reformat take a chance in pinball spring you can find atari bites on many podcatchers you know that by now don't hit a gutter ball, and you know pick the right one you can support the show financially at the atari bites patreon page or by pitching up atari bites merchandise on zazzle.com find uh, more episodes and show notes and social media at ataribytes.libson.com, email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com, like the Atari Bytes Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Hit us up on Instagram, too. And don't forget to check out my other show, It's Podcast, Charlie Brown, for all your animated Peanuts gang needs. New episodes drop on the 15th of every month. Next time on Atari Bytes, our salute to the Olympics continues with boxing. So there you go. That's a thing we're doing. Until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Oh, 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 oh,